our Lord and our God, we firmly believe that you are here, that you see us, that you hear us. We adore you with profound reverence. We ask your pardon for our sins, the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My friends, today we celebrate the uh, uh, the fifth luminous mystery. We meditate, I should say, on the fifth luminous mystery, the institution of the most blessed sacrament, the source and summit of our faith. That is, uh, that's all the other sacraments are, uh, well, they uh, orient themselves uh, to uh, the most blessed sacrament, this greatest of sacraments. You know, St. Maximilian Kolbe uh, once said, if angels could be jealous of men, they would be so for one reason, Holy Communion. You know, angels can't receive uh, the Holy Eucharist. You know, I, um, I know I've told this story before, and you all have your own stories, right, in regards to uh, the Most Blessed Sacrament, but um, my life forever changed in July of 1996 when uh, a courageous pastor simply moved the tabernacle to the center of the sanctuary. It was already up in there, but not in the center. And then uh, more importantly, he spoke about the reality of the person of Jesus Christ present in that gold box. You know, I was in my 30s, and I, I'm sure I had heard this before, uh, but it had not resonated with me as it did in that incredible uh, moment of grace. St. Javiani so beautifully says, there is nothing so great as the Eucharist. If God had something more precious, he would have given it to us. Of course, that is true. You know, there are two miracles that happen at every single Mass. Something, of course, we call transubstantiation. Trans, meaning change. Substance, meaning the, the uh, substance of uh, the, uh, the bread and the wine. They are changed literally to the level of their nature. Looks like bread, looks like wine. No longer bread and wine. The second miracle is that it does not look like Jesus's flesh. For after all, who could then come up here to receive him? And isn't that the point? St. Thomas Aquinas says that is the greater miracle. Uh, so that we can come uh, forward here in the Mass that will follow and receive our Eucharistic Lord, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Of course, the teaching of our faith uh, in the Eucharist is rooted, very rooted in Scripture. We see it all over the place, right? Its primary teaching, of course, comes from the Bread of Life discourse in John chapter 6. So important that this uh, teaching, central teaching uh, from the Lord, uh, follows the multiplication of the loaves and fish. Where Jesus fed 5,000 men and their families uh, with five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread and two fish. It immediately follows Jesus walking on water. And very importantly, uh, the instruction uh, crossed over to the other side. He had just done two miracles, right? 
Crossing over the other side is uh, a, a literary technique to point to the reality that something not natural, but something supernatural, something greater than walking on water, something greater than feeding a whole bunch of people with, oh, they would be hungry again, right? But they cross over to the other side, and along the way, Jesus told them to not be afraid. Or while this, uh, there's no Eucharist, right, in the John chapter 6, but it points to a future reality, a reality, by the way, all of us uh, have the incredible grace to uh, participate in, in in our personal prayer and in a few moments after this uh, meditation in Holy Mass. There is nothing so great as the Eucharist. If God had something more precious, he would have given it to us. You know, I don't have time to go through the entire Bread of Life discourse this morning, but it does say that the crowds follow Jesus to the other side. And they were questioning him as to how he got there. That itself was uh, mysterious. He wasn't in the boat. He responded by telling them that they seek him not because of the signs they saw, but because of their temporal needs were met. They were hungry and they received some temporal foods. So they said, what can we do to accomplish the works of God? And Jesus tells them, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. Faith is the key. Faith is a gift. You know, tomorrow or tonight at the Vigil Mass, we will have uh, in the second reading from Hebrews this beautiful definition Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Faith, of course, is a gift, but it's a gift that we hope for. If we're aiming simply to be fed with uh, temporal foods, our stomachs filled, uh, surely there are better places to go for better tasting uh, bread, right? Uh, it's not seen. Our senses will be fooled. So we come here not hoping to walk away no longer hungry for our food, but we come here because we are hungry for peace. We are hungry for truth, beauty, and goodness. We are hungry for love. We are hungry for the Lord. So, so they said to him, what sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert. Their bellies were filled, right? As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It was so surprised. I mean, we shouldn't judge, right? But he had just performed miracles in their midst. They were all fed miraculously. Some of them actually uh, even saw him uh, walking on water. They were focused only on how he could satisfy their temporal needs. They were not hoping for enough. He says, Amen, Amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have seen, you do not 
believe. There was so much murmuring amongst the crowd. So Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. This is a verse 51. It is the climax of this chapter. It's a turning point, really, in John's gospel. There is nothing so great as the Eucharist. If God had something more precious, he would have given it to us. Of course, we know that the Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's the wrong question, isn't it? We're often asking how questions. The better question would have been why. Please, God, we all know the answer. Because he can. Of course he could do this. He is God. But also because he wants to. He wants to give us himself. He wants union with us. He is madly in love with us. Jesus says, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. And sadly, it says, many of his disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? And these were his disciples, my friends. Many of them, it says. Not simply people following him from a distance. They had seen his miraculous works. They had experienced his love and his mercy. Yet they didn't seem to truly know him. Jesus says, but there are some of you who do not believe. And as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. You know, the Jews quarreled because uh, they didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. We too, of course, will have the same problem, right? We will have difficulty believing he can be present in what only appears to be bread on the altar right now at Holy Mass, bread and wine, if we do not believe, or if we have a misguided understanding of the incarnation that God did become flesh and dwell among us. And if that is the case, we cannot have a proper understanding of the Eucharist either. But Jesus' words are hard for some to accept. The large-scale defection marks a watershed in John's Gospel. Those that left did not find Jesus' teaching hard, though in the sense that it was difficult to understand. No one can really understand. But rather, it was unacceptable. It was harsh. It was offensive. The disciples drew back, surely, the disciples who drew back surely found this teaching mysterious. It is mysterious. But it was the part they could understand rather than the part they could not that bothered them. It 
perhaps this should not be too surprising. You know, Bishop Barron says so beautifully, it is hard to imagine anything more theologically problematic. And if I could be blunt, he says, more disgusting for a first century Jew than these words of Jesus in John chapter 6. Jews, of course, have a prohibition against eating any animal with blood. Jesus was asking that he eat his living flesh. Yet when they protested, Jesus did not correct them. He actually doubles down, doesn't he? Words get more graphic and intense. If we read this in the original language, it's kind of lost in the English. But Jesus didn't use fogging, which describes the way we all eat, a little more um, sophisticatedly, I guess. He used the word trogain, which describes the way animals eat. They gnaw at their food. This language uh, by our Lord was very graphic. It was very physical in nature. It was clear what he was saying. This is the critical point of John's gospel. For after these words, it says many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. John 6, verse 6, 6. Very interesting, 666. This is the only instance in the Gospels where followers of Jesus abandoned him in such large numbers. Even so, Jesus makes no attempt to soften his words or clear up potential misunderstandings about this Eucharistic teaching. The announcement of the Eucharist divided the disciples, just as the announcement of his passion would scandalize them. The Eucharist and the cross are stumbling blocks. People reject over and over the gift, just like so many reject the cross, so many choosing comfort over suffering. It's the same mystery, and it never ceases to be an occasion for division. So Jesus turns to his apostles. He turns to those closest to him. He turns to us right now. Do you also want to leave? You know, Peter, uh, truly inspired, of course, uh, responds with this great act of faith. Master, to whom shall we go? Of course, we uh, have, please God, that same sort of feeling. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. Belief comes through faith, not through understanding, because they were convinced by faith that Jesus is God. You know, my girl, St. Therese, she so beautifully says that do you realize that Jesus is there in the tabernacle expressly for you, for you alone? He burns with a desire to come into your heart, Go without fear to receive the Jesus of peace and love. So true. I mean, we're coming here for Holy Mass, right? We're coming to receive uh, that gift that is burning for us right now. But I know so many of you spend so many hours here before the Eucharistic Lord in adoration, giving him your heart in love and in gratitude, perhaps in contrition. It is good to spend time here in adoration. For St. Teresa of Avila says, here on earth 
it is impossible to perform a more meritorious act than visiting Jesus often in the Eucharist. If you took all of the good works done by all the humans who have ever lived in all of history and stacked them all up and multiplied them by a million, she says, they would not equal the merit, the virtue, and the worth of one mass. The Eucharistic sacrifice is Christ's infinite merit, infinite value. My friends, the Lord is inviting us to great intimacy here before him in our prayer, and especially in the Mass that will follow, even if we do not seem to understand. There is nothing so great as the Eucharist. If God had something more precious, he would have given it to us. Let us share this gift, and may God be praised. Amen.